Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. We are back. What is up, Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast listeners? Matthew Betts, Matt Okada. Back on the mic tonight, excited to break down more rookies. It is officially dynasty season here on the show with the Super Bowl in the rearview mirror. Okada, what's going on, man? How you doing? Um, crazy. Things do not slow down, as I may or may not have mentioned at the NFL Network when the season ends. In fact, they get just as, if not more crazy, because we start doing combine and free agency prep, and then right after that comes the draft. Um, and throughout the season, I was working post games mostly for my TV and now I'm back to working normal total accesses, accesses, (laughs) excise. Yeah. So I had a bunch of total accesses last week and it's a very different sort of life when you're working that than doing other stuff. So things are all a changing and a flutter and, uh, but you know, it's exciting because you think football is over and it's not psych. Yes. There officially is no off season in the NFL or in Dynasty or in the XFL, for that matter, because that's now a thing. Uh, real quick, did you watch any of the XFL this weekend? I watched a, uh, like a minute of a game one uh, that I was passing by the living room that my roommate was playing. I actually saw a really great throw by that quarterback from Temple. don't know who he was or what the team was, but it was really solid. Uh, and then I walked out the door, and I've seen a couple <laughs> other highlights. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, I am a complete... Um, junkie when it comes to this kind of stuff. So I was sweating out some DFS over the weekend. I am not too proud to admit that. Did earn a little bit of cash, which is fun. But yes, football goes nonstop uh, around the calendar. And of course, like you said, Okada, there is no offseason. And with that in mind, we are talking dynasty tonight. We are talking rookie wide receivers. And to do that, we have a very special guest on with us tonight, Ray Garvin of Dynasty League Football. Ray, what's up, man? What's going on, fellas? I mean, I, I feel like I'm small fish here. We've got NFL Network and all these other, you know, I'm just just Dynasty League football. It's just Ray jumping on the pod, you know. I'm excited, though. Um, I, I, too, watched quite a bit of XFL, quite a bit. I was very intrigued by it, and I can say I really think they put out a good product, and with the ESPN and ABC and Fox behind them, I think uh, it's looking it's looking up for those guys, and It'll only get better when you actually start getting some of these college kids who just right out of college, they can't make it. They're not, you know, quite good enough for the NFL, but they actually get a shot at the XFL. So I think it's only going to go up for uh, the XFL. But excited to talk rookie wide receivers with you guys tonight. Yeah, man, it's going to be a blast. And, and you know, you mentioned you're just a, a small fish here amongst us. But, hey, I it's hard to turn on a podcast nowadays and not hear your voice talking rookies, talking dynasty. Um, so you have had a meteoric rise into what feels like dynasty um, relevance, which is awesome. Man. It's great to see for you and for you know people that follow your work. So it's it's awesome. Also, let's be clear: no one hears my voice on the NFL Network. They just see the back of my head <laughs> sitting over in the research pen. So. Very true. <laughs> Ray, for our listeners who may not know you or or know your work, just give us a little bit of a rundown kind of on your history with uh, fantasy football. And, you know, I understand you are a former college player yourself. So just tell us more about yourself and where we can find your work. Yeah, uh, former college athlete. I played uh, coming out of high school. uh, I had a couple of Division I offers, Boise State, UNLV, Southern Utah, some smaller Division I schools. 
but uh, I was a knucklehead in high school and got into some trouble my senior year, and those scholarships sort of uh, dissipated, but a a coach from Boise State knew this coach at Shadron State College, uh, Shadron, Nebraska, little old tiny school, so they paid for me to go to school out there for a couple of years before I transferred to Texas Southern. Got a chance to play with Danny Woodhead. We were a part of the same recruiting class, so I know Danny very well. He had a very, I was just about to ask that yeah, question. Yeah, we came in together, and funny story, man. If you could, you would walk right past this guy right now and not think that he was an NFL running back. I mean, he just <laughs> yep, looks like a right. regular dude, but he was by far the best athlete that I've ever played with and I've ever seen play live in person so that was a great experience and then just fantasy football man I've been playing fantasy for quite some time now and got into dynasty about five years ago and the only reason I started doing this writing podcasting is uh, draft season last year or the year before listening to people give me advice and I'm looking at these players I'm just like hell no like this is this is there's got to be a better way than this. There's got to be better content. And I'm not I'm not knocking anybody. I'm not, you know, trying to make it seem like I'm all knowing, but I just felt like I could do a much better job having watched the college game played a little bit to provide some different insight into these players. So then I started doing it and, you know, got on with Dynasty Nerds and then with Ryan McDowell and Destination Devi podcast and then from there, man, I just I feel like I'm a young Kevin Hart, you know, back in the day, you couldn't turn on a movie <laughs> and not see Kevin Hart in it. But he said he's the hardest working man in showbiz, sort of like The Rock, you know what I mean? So I'm out here just grinding, and I, I don't consider myself an analyst or any of that, man. I, I really don't. I just watch the college game, and I share what I see. And some people believe and trust what I say. Some don't. But my whole goal is just to give you an insight into these players because I am watching the college game every single Saturday. I'm watching high school football down here in Texas on Friday, so I just want to provide information for the people to do with it what they will. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, um, you know, Okada and my, I don't even want to say specialty because we're just a couple of guys who like talking football as well, but uh, we definitely are more of a a redraft-focused mindset when it comes to this thing. So I'm excited to learn from you, Ray, and learn about your uh, you know, wide receiver evaluation skills and what you see on tape with these big names. So tonight, man, we're talking the big the big names. Everyone's going to know these guys. They're round one talents in the NFL. Uh, looking forward to the NFL draft. So Okada and I are excited to learn. We'll get into that in one second. Just want to remind everyone, you can find us online at redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. John Helmkamp putting out weekly running back uh, scouting report pr- profile Uh, videos and articles those things are fantastic he is grinding the tape check him out Um, you can also find us on youtube now we are on uh, instagram twitter facebook you name it everywhere that you find us on social media it is red shirts ff pod there's not much news going on right now it's kind of the dead time in the nfl but so we're gonna get right into it fellas tonight we're talking rookie wide receivers we're gonna kick it off with the top five in this class now ray as the guest I'm going to let you go ahead and give us uh, the rankings that you have for these guys, but let's go in reverse order. So give us your number five on the list tonight, and then we'll go all the way down to number one. Who you got? All right, so this is sort of breaking news on this show because I've had a little adjustment to my rankings. So my my number five wide receiver, and and I'm I'm basing a lot of this on on upside, It's LaVisca Chenault. I moved LaVisca Chenault to wide receiver five in this class. Um, I think his 
his talent, right? If you're just talking about from a talent perspective, if he can stay on the field, and I, and I say if with the biggest capital I and the biggest capital F that you can find in the world, if he can stay on field on the field at six foot two, over 220 pounds, the way that he moves, what he can do with the ball in his hands, his position versatility, you know, carrying the ball, catching the ball out of the slot, being a, a commanding X wide receiver on the outside. I don't know if there's another wide receiver in this class with just the talent that LaVisca Chenault has. He's just, he is phenomenal when you put the ball in his hands. Didn't do much his freshman season, but as a sophomore, he really exploded onto the scene for the Colorado Buffaloes. So if, if, you, if you're just talking about what he can do when, and, and I can't stress this enough, when he's on the field and... I typically don't like to deal with incoming players that have an injury history. Torn Labrum had some kind of foot issue. Every single game you watch Colorado play, when LaVisca Chenault gets hit, he's like limping off of the field. It's sort of like, you know, Julio Jones is always on the injury report. If you guys watch NBA, Paul Pierce, I mean, there was a game for the Celtics where Paul Pierce was wheelchaired off of the court and then comes back into the game later on. That, that's what that's what LaVisca Chenault reminds me of. So I just moved him to my wide receiver five this week, and I feel kind of gross about doing it, but <laughs> I, I'm actually trying to acquire him in a couple of my Debbie leagues right now. So I've got LaVisca Chenault five. Got it. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up. I'm not sure if you're aware of my history, but I am a board-certified orthopedic specialist, physical therapist, so I do a lot of injury analysis, coverage of that kind of stuff. Um, I haven't dug into his injury history too much, but just hearing what you're saying, I mean, I agree with you. That definitely raises at least yellow flags from a, you know, a durability perspective. When you look at these guys coming into the league, I mean, you want to see them have a clean injury history like a Jonathan Taylor, um, you know, other guys in the past that have been able to step right on the field and stay healthy is huge, not only for the NFL teams, but for our dynasty roster. So um, that is interesting that you bring that up. I'm definitely looking forward to, to looking into that more. Okada, your boy over at the NFL Network, Bucky Brooks, uh, your best friend, put out a yeah. mock draft not too long ago for the first round, his first edition of it. He has LaVisca Chenault going to my Philadelphia Eagles. And if these durability concerns are real, <laughs> then I am worried. Um, what are your thoughts on that fit with Philadelphia? Uh, well, I think my main question is, I kind of have heard, uh, this is actually a name that gets tossed around the office a lot, so I'm, it's interesting to me that you brought him up at number five, because I feel, feel like he's getting some buzz, which is a lot of what I go on, honestly, until I start getting into the tape fully myself, which I have not had a chance to do yet, because the offseason doesn't exist, <laughs> but I give will this get kid into a, it. Give this kid a day off work and a fun yeah. come on. Um. But one of the main things that I'm hearing is that he may not be quite as polished as some of the other guys in this class, may not be as ready to, you know, contribute as a number one receiver necessarily automatically out the gate. And I do wonder if the Eagles need someone who's really ready to step up and be a 90-100 target guy or something like that because of how little they have in that core elsewhere right now. So... I don't know if they're necessarily positioned high enough to get one of those guys. Maybe it is more a kind of situation where they get one of the secondary type players, but or I guess five is not that secondary, but certainly he's below the tier of a couple guys we'll get to later. But I do wonder if maybe it's not the best fit for for that reason. But eh. <laughs> Ray? Ray, what are your thoughts on that potential landing spot? 
Um, you know, everything that I've heard, I, I'm a Cowboys fan, so I would be actually, I, I, I don't really want you guys to take LaVisca Chenault. I, I really don't want those <laughs> problems in the division for the next couple of years. But then again, a part of me is like, please, Philly, take LaVisca because I know he's going to miss at least four games a season. But, I, I, you know, everything that I've heard coming out of Philly is you guys need a field stretcher, somebody that's going to oh, be yes. able to open up the offense for Dallas Goddard, for, you know, Zach Ertz while he's there. You've got Miles Sanders taking those dump-off passes out of the backfield. So you need somebody that's going to, you know, scream down the field and command that safety over top. I don't know if LaVisca Chenault is that. You know, I think a Henry Ruggs, even a, and I'm not the biggest fan of a KJ Hamler, but somebody with speed that will be able to open up that offense, help Carson Wentz out, help that running game out. I don't know if that's LaVisca Chenault's game. I think he and Alshon Jeffrey and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, I think that would, they're all sort of that big-bodied possession type wide receiver. Can LaVisca get downfield? Absolutely he can. If he's in the open field, he's got good speed. But I don't think he's in the same mold of a Henry Ruggs as a Jalen Rager, as a KJ Hamler. So I I don't know. The the, the Eagles just need a wide receiver. They can't roll out Greg Ward and company next year. So I really think any of these guys uh, that lands on Philly would be an upgrade at the position, but I don't think that's an ideal fit for me. Yeah, right. Not going to lie. I think Okada would be an upgrade at this point to yeah. the wide receiver core there. In <laughs> hey, Philly. I'm 6'2", yeah. man. I could, you know, <laughs> you got the side. I could catch a touchdown. Yeah, that was rough to watch last um, year for sure. Um, it's in- interesting that you bring Henry Ruggs up. Is he the player you kicked off your top five? Because before show, we were chatting uh, via our, our Twitter chat, and you said that that was a good one to keep on. Is he out of the top five for you now that Chenault is in? Yeah, he he wouldn't have been in that in the top five regardless for me. So. Okay. Um, I know there's a lot of intrigue over Henry Ruggs and that speed and playing for Alabama and what he can do, but he's, uh, I, I think on DLF's rankings, I think I have him ranked eighth for rookie wide receivers. So he's even with, you know, LaVisca Chenault out of the picture, he's still not a, uh, a top. I got him eighth. Yep. I have him eighth behind Brian Edwards, behind Justin Jefferson, and of course behind LaVisca Chenault. Yeah. Fair enough. Let's let's close it out here with Chanel. Give us like just one quick takeaway. Take like if there's one thing fantasy owners should watch for, what does he do really well? And then what is his biggest weakness outside of durability concerns? He's a playmaker. Again, 6'2", 220. That was his listed weight, listed height. So we'll see what he comes in at the combine. Even if he's 6'1", he's all of 220. He, he may be a little heavier than that. He is just, I've called him a tank with the ball in his hands. When he catches it, Defensive backs don't want to deal with that. I mean, you know, he carried the ball 23 times this past season, 17 times the year before, five touchdowns on the ground as a sophomore, two touchdowns on the ground as a junior. Uh, I mean, if you look at his from an analytical standpoint, I mean, he hit 25 uh, 25% threshold for market share his past two seasons. So he checks the analytical boxes. He's physical as heck, man. I, I, I'm telling you, when he gets the ball in his hands, he's a six foot two, 220-pound wrecking ball, and he runs like a running back. And sort of that, that kind of attributes to his injury history. If I had to say his biggest weakness or biggest area of improvement that he's got to get better on at the next level, it is refinement and ways to create separation. I'm not just going to say a route runner because you don't have to be this route running savant in order to win at the next level. But LaVisca Chenault has like – 
one gear and he's got to learn how to throttle it down, how to pick it up, how to be more skilled at creating that separation, which that's something he can learn. And I think once he gets in an NFL system, he can do that. But at Colorado, if you watch the games, it was just find LaVisca, get LaVisca the ball any way possible, whether it's put him at quarterback, running back, slot receiver, or outside. So he's got to work on his refinement and technique for the, for the position. Yeah, for sure. That makes perfect sense. Uh, that's a great way to close it out there with LaVisca Chenault, your number five for tonight. Of course, that is subject to change. Uh, let's move on to your number four. Hit us with who that is, and then let's talk about his strengths and weaknesses. Let's talk about the big boy wide receivers because we all like those big prototype guys. And for me, the best big body prototype wide receiver in this class is T. Higgins, junior wide receiver out of Clemson, six foot four, two fifteen. Had a fantastic junior season. And what really just, you know, made me feel so good about T is coming into this year, everybody was talking about Justin Ross. Justin Ross is a very talented, true sophomore for the University of Clemson who had just an absolute tear last year in the college football playoffs. But people were sort of discounting what T could do on the outside. And all he did this past season was catch 59 passes for over 1,100 yards and 13 TDs. And he was the alpha. He was the 1A. He was Trevor Lawrence's best friend this past season. I mean, he is just, he's not just some big guy that just catches jump passes. He's really good in his route running. He has to be that size to create the separation that he does on the outside. I've seen him move him around in the slot and he's tough as hell. I really like what Higgins brought to the table, and he does check some of those analytical benchmarks that we look for. His past season, a 29% dominator rating. Uh, his 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 breakout age, he did that at 19. Uh, over a 20% market share on that offense with Amari Rodgers, again, Justin Ross, and Travis Etienne. T. Higgins is a monster. I, I really like what he has, and he should be a lock for the first round in the NFL draft. Yeah, and real quick, Ray, just before we move on to talking about his potential landing spots when it comes to the mock drafts that we've seen and breaking down Higgins in more detail, real quick, just give us a, a Cliff's Notes version for our listeners that aren't aware. Uh, define market share real quick for us and then dominator rating as well. All right, market share for wide receivers, the percent of receptions and yards that the wide receiver had based on the other players on his team. So you want to see them hit 20%. Historical data shows that Wide receivers who hit that 20% threshold more likely than not have success uh, scoring fantasy football points at the next level, all right? Dominator rating, that takes the total amount of a wide receiver's receptions, yards, and then touchdowns. I know a lot of the smart analytical people like Peter Howard, like Jesse Reeves, like Chris Bean, they don't really like using touchdowns because touchdowns is a very um, unsticky metric. You know, Calvin Johnson had almost a 2,000-yard reception uh, receiving yard season with five TDs. You know, it's just not a sticky metric. So a lot of people look at receptions, yards, percent of that on based on the overall team, offensive production. You want to see those wide receivers hit 20% or get very close to 20%. As long as you're right there, uh, some places, I know Rotoviz uses 25%, some places use 30%, but whatever that threshold is, you want to see them command a large market share of the offense. Yeah, fair enough. Let's get back to Higgins and his potential landing spots. Daniel Jeremiah put out his mock, mock draft recently, as well as we said, Bucky Brooks. Uh, we've got 15th overall to the Broncos, according to Bucky. DJ has him going 22nd to the Buffalo Bills. Interesting landing spots. Okada, of those two, for Higgins, which one do you think he's a better fit? 
I think the Bills is the best call possibly in this entire draft for Higgins. I think that makes perfect sense. Listen, we all know what Josh Allen is. He's a guy who can run, and he's a guy who can throw it deep. And he has a really great arm. It's not some of the most accurate arm, but it's a great arm. Can he improve and become more well-rounded in general? Probably, hopefully, I think he has a chance. Well, right now, what I know he can do is throw the ball up and throw it downfield. And the, the receivers that they had around him last year, the way that they would work that is just have John Brown or any of their other speed guys try to burn someone and Josh Allen just throws it far enough that they can catch it in the basket and keep going. But what they didn't have is a guy who could make a jump ball catch, who could make a contested catch down the sideline, who could be a big red zone threat. I think T. Higgins could bring a lot of that to add to Josh Allen and to add to that offense that they didn't have last year. So that one makes a lot of sense to me and I think could bring a big dynamic to what that team didn't have last year and probably take them up a notch to where they're a threat in the playoffs and not just, you know, around. Not just lateraling at the last minute of the game. Yes. Josh Allen. <laughs> yep. <that laughs> yeah, for rough. sure. They, they definitely need a, a bigger body for sure. I, I agree with you on that on the outside. Ray, you like that call as well for Buffalo? Yeah, love it. I, I think for wide receivers uh, – I think this would make the most sense out of any wide receiver in this class. T. Higgins to Buffalo it just seems like a perfect, perfect marriage. Uh, we just talked about it. Josh Allen, he can throw it far. Sometimes he can throw it accurately. But when you've got a 6'4 wide receiver with the wingspan, the catch radius of T. Higgins, you just need to put it in his, the vicinity of him. And then you've got Cole Beasley and John Brown. You need a big possession wide receiver that can really help not only Josh Allen, but think about what that does for Dawson Knox at tight end. So right. I think a wide yeah. receiver like T. Higgins, who don't get it twisted, he can stretch the field. He's not this big, slow, lumbering wide receiver like a Kelvin Benjamin running down the field. The guy can get downfield. <laughs> so I think T. Higgins to Buffalo, perfect, beautiful landing spot. Yeah. Um, anytime you come on the podcast and you mention Kelvin Benjamin – uh, I question things, Ray, so never again. Uh, no. <laughs> never Kelvin Benjamin. Um, yeah, ne- never Kelvin. Uh, but, yeah, man, I think, you know, the athleticism and the speed like you were kind of describing, you know, for our casual listeners, casual college football fans, I'm sure everyone tuned into the college football playoff. And if you watched the national championship game, I mean, the thing that just sticks out in my mind is him running down the sideline on that jet sweep, um, looking physical, looking athletic. Um, elusive in the open field. So, yes, the, the athleticism, I agree with you, is there. One thing that I noticed in a little bit of the, the tape that I have seen is he tends to kind of be a guy that I've seen struggle a little bit against more physical corners. Is that something that you've seen on tape too? And um, if so, do you think that's something that he can learn from and, and improve on in the NFL level? Yeah, I think that's a fair – I think that's a fair – and I'm not even going to call it a criticism. I'm just going to say that's a fair assessment, you know, that you saw on tape. And I think for most of these guys, that is something that they have struggled with or will struggle with at the next level because in college, man, those guys, for the most part, they're not they're not challenging these wide receivers like that. They're so threatened and so scared that if I try to jam and miss, then it's lights out. So I, that's something that majority of these guys, there's a couple of players in this class who can create separation right off of the line of scrimmage. We'll talk about one of those players in a little bit, but that is something that at 6'4", you've got a lot of surface area to hit, 
a lot of surface area for these corners who aren't afraid of some rookie wide receiver to get all up in that chest. So that's something that he can learn, will learn, and he'll improve upon that at the next level. I, I, I'm that is the if that is the biggest criticism on any wide receiver, you know, the tendency to let corners get in on them that should not impact your decision whatsoever. I think that is one of the most coachable deficiencies that any player at the wide receiver position can have. Yeah, fair enough. And I agree with you on that for sure. I think that's something he can, you know, learn from and and you get a little bit more, um, you know, practice and of course get the reps under your belt. Yes, that can definitely improve. Um, Let's put a number to it. If if you were going to rank him amongst the other Skill position players, let's say in a non-superflex draft. So we're talking one quarterback, you know, your vanilla PPR league. Right now, is, is he more of a mid-first guy? You going early with him? Where you at? Probably late one, late first, you know, around pick 10, 11, 12, around there. I think he's still a first-round pick for sure, but later in the draft. I'm not taking him in the top half of a, a single quarterback league. Yeah, love it. Let's talk about some guys that maybe you will take in the top or the middle of the first round. Give us your number three wide receiver. All right. I'm ready for the uh, the disagreement to flare up here because my here number three ranked <laughs> wide receiver is Alabama's wide receiver extraordinaire, Jerry Judy. He is my number three Ooh. wide receiver in this class. Yeah, I know. I know. And I stand by it. But here's the thing. Let me just preface it by saying this. T. Higgins Jerry Judy, they are tier one wide receiver prospects for me, okay? So depending on landing spot, that's how I'm going to base my final grade. But at this point right now, if you're telling me I could have Jerry Judy or the two players that I have above him, I would take the two players above him. He is fantastic. He is phenomenal. He checks every box. He is a an awesome separator. He's a mega producer, over 1,300 yards last year, 1,100 yards this year, 19.3 yard uh, average of receptions. And then when you look at his analytical profile uh, from a market share standpoint, I mean, he, he receptions 22% as a sophomore, 26% market share of the receptions as a, as a, as a junior. 25% of the market share of receiving yards for that Alabama team as a sophomore, 23% as a junior. Dominator rating over 20% each year, well, for his sophomore and junior season. So he checks all of those boxes. He can catch the ball. He's not a a a big wide receiver, so but he's not like soft, right? I'm not calling him soft, but he's not the most physical wide receiver. A little more finesse, a little more technical. But, I mean, just devastating stop-start ability. And here's something that a lot of people talk about. A lot of people talk about wide receivers' acceleration, how quick they get off the line. I think he is the fastest decelerator in this class, which that is a very, very important skill set. Think about those comeback routes. Think about those breaking ends. Stefan Diggs is really good at going from 100 miles an hour to zero at the drop of a dime, and I think that is Jerry Judy. Again, a lot of people talk about acceleration. He's the fastest decelerator in this class, and I think that's a phenomenal skill set. I just like a couple of guys better than Jerry Judy. But for me, he's my number three rated wide receiver in this class, and I would take him in the first half. You talked about T. Higgins. He is a player that I would take in the first half of the uh, of a single quarterback league. Yeah, he's a guy that, you know, dynasty um, owners and players and, of course, your casual fantasy football players, they're going to know a lot about in the next two to three months with the combine, with the draft coming around the corner. No doubt he goes round one for sure, likely a top 20 pick in the NFL draft. And, you know, I kind of want to speak to that a little bit here. But before we do, I will 
just say I wholeheartedly agree with you, man. I, I was looking for some weaknesses to even put on my sheet of notes, and I literally put size question mark, frame question mark. Like I'm not even, I'm not even sure I can really point to any. Okada, what are you hearing around the NFL Network in regards to the hype around Jerry Judy? Um, it, it I was I would say it's probably not as hot at the network, uh, especially when guys like Bucky come around and chat. He's not too much of a believer in the Alabama guys uh, in general, but then I think it is in the Dynasty community. So I, I actually kind of like that Ray brought this perspective. I think the Dynasty community is a little bit more obsessed with him maybe than we are. Um, and it, it'll be really interesting where he goes, I think, because... I, in, okay, so I would... I, I don't think he'll fall this far, but I would like to see him go to the Patriots. I think the Patriots are going to have to go and get a great playmaker if they want to keep Tom Brady because, and, and it might be decided at that point, but they at least have to give him the impression or the promise that they're going to. He seems like a guy who's polished enough, who's an elite route runner who could potentially learn that offense very quickly and be explosive and useful right out of the gate. Uh, but I, I think there's a lot of other teams that could certainly use him as well. So there's a lot of different places he could go and be productive for sure. Yeah, Okada, you're gonna have to keep wishing there, man. He's not falling that far, no. unless they maybe make we'll some, trade up. Unless they make some yeah. moves on draft day, we'll see. Very unlikely. It's not Bill Belichick in to do that, but yes, of course. But let's talk about some other teams ahead of the Patriots in draft order there, where he could go. Of course, we've been referencing the mock drafts all show long. We're gonna get right into it here with Jerry Judy. DJ has him going 15th to the Broncos. Bucky 13th to the Colts. Very interesting landing spots. Obviously, with the Broncos, they have Cortland Sutton in place. Question marks at quarterback with Drew Locke entering his second season. Obviously, he didn't see the field a ton in year one. Um, but, man, Drew Locke, if he had Cortland Sutton, who I think is a bona fide wide receiver one stud, and Jerry Judy, watch out. My Lord. Don't forget Noah Fant back there at tight end mm -hmm. as well, who's just a glorified wide receiver playing in line. Yeah, for sure. If that actually happens, I mean, I'm I'm going to be pretty interested in, in Drew Locke as a cheaper uh, you know, QB2, especially in a Superflex League. I love that a lot. Um, how about for the Colts, Okada? What are your thoughts on that spot? Because, you know, T.Y. is getting a little bit older when it comes to uh, a lot of injury history. Of course, he, he missed a lot of time last year. The quarterback situation is just as uh, much of yeah. a question mark with Jacoby Brissett. We're not sure if he's the answer there. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because they did just take Paris Campbell last year in the second round, I believe. Yeah, that, uh, that honestly... So that situation has more question marks for me than the Broncos situation does, and maybe more than a lot of other situations do, because they, we have no idea what they intend to do at quarterback. They haven't been very clear about it. We don't know if they, I don't think they want to sign Brissett. Really, they would rather go another direction. They may resort to that. If they do that, I don't know what to expect from Brissett. He looked incredible at the start of last year, and then he fell off a cliff um, and dealt with some injury in, the, in between there. So, yeah, and T.Y. Hilton, I don't even know what to expect there because he dealt with injuries a lot, was not very productive last year overall. They did just draft Paris Campbell, and it'll be interesting to see what he develops into. Obviously did not do much himself, so I think they, uh, if they re-sign Marlon Mack, which they're talking about doing, they have one of the best offensive lines in the league. I think they might try to build up a better defense and rely more on that run game, and if they keep Brissett, have him as a game manager... And then it's not as an attractive place for me for a fantasy receiver, especially if Hilton is there healthy and taking up most of the targets. So I don't know if it's the best place for Judy to go. It might be a useful place for them. Uh, or the, he might be a useful player for them. 
but I think I'd rather see him go somewhere else. Yeah, Ray, what are your thoughts on the the Colts situation in general, of course, with Jerry Judy potentially landing there? (laughs) No, no, (laughs) no. Yeah, that one, that's a gross situation because I I don't think, even with Jerry Judy, even with T.Y. Hilton, I don't think they want to throw the ball. I don't think that's what they want to do. That offensive line, they want to pound you into submission, and I don't blame you. If you, if I had Quentin Nelson at right guard and Costanzo oh, and all those God. other guys, Kelly at center, we're running the ball. I don't I don't care who's at wide receiver. And then you know, Ty is getting older, but he can still stretch the field when healthy. I think you've got a low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three in Jerry Judy, and that's not what we really want. The Broncos situation, I like that. I, I would really like him there. There's no way, and 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 I agree with you, Matt. There, there's he he would be Cortland Sutton's wide receiver one for Denver. Like period. He is a he is a bona fide wide receiver one. Jerry Judy would be a a good wide receiver two complement, uh, a very good one. I could see him doing something similar to what Michael Gallup did for the Dallas Cowboys, and which is a very usable. Uh, consistent asset in fantasy football, but Indy, yuck! That's that's not a good situation. I don't think that'd be good at all. Yeah, um, hopefully John Elway is listening to this, and hopefully he does the right thing and takes our boy Jerry Judy to compliment <laughs> uh, the pass catchers that they have there. That that would be a great fit. I would love that. Let's move on to your number two, Ray. Hit us with who you've got there. Yes, let's get into some spicy, fun spicy, spicy talk. It is none other than the man himself, Jalen Rager, wide receiver out of TCU, 5'11", 195. Listen, I don't name drop. I don't name drop. But I talked to Jalen quite a bit. Jalen told me (laughs) from the horse's mouth, and I asked him, I said, dude, I've heard Chuba Hubbard, I've heard Henry Ruggs, I've heard all these guys were the fastest in college football. He told me, Ray, there's nobody, nobody that's faster than him, and he's going to show it at the NFL Combine in the next couple of weeks. But he's just a, he's a dynamic playmaker, a dynamic weapon. And I know, if you just look at his raw data, you look at his stats from this past season, it's disgusting. I mean, he did absolutely nothing, but the TCU offense did absolutely nothing. So coming into the season off of an almost 1,100-yard receiving season, 170 rushing yards, he ended his career with 43 receptions, 611 yards, and five TDs. I mean, that's like... Two games for CeeDee Lamb right there. I mean, literally, it's like a couple of games for CeeDee Lamb. But when you really look at what he did in comparison to the rest of his teammates, he commanded, what is it? I got it right here. Jalen Rager, 20% of his team's receptions, 25% of his team's receiving yards, and 33% of his team's receiving touchdowns. So he still checked every analytical box as far as hitting those thresholds. The problem was TCU's offense was abysmal. I went to three games this year, didn't finish one of them, left because it was a waste of time. There were, and and I've said this on another show, I've said this on my show, there were three games in 2019 where a wide receiver didn't catch a pass until the six-minute mark in the second quarter. There were two or three games where Jalen Rager wasn't targeted until the third quarter. What Sonny Cumbie did in that offense, he should have been fired right after the end of the season. It was just, it was gross 
misuse, malpractice, malfeasance, whatever the mal words you want to use, it was unbearable <laughs> to watch. But Jalen Rager is a dynamic weapon. And here's the one thing that he does that only we talked about five wide receivers. There's only one other receiver that we talked about that did what Jalen Rager did, which is return punts. That is a very, very big key for me. I, if you're that good, if you're that talented, you're that quick and that agile, I say that the punt return is the hardest single play in football. I don't care what level it is, NFL, college, high school, peewee, to catch the punt, to have the wherewithal to find it, locate the ball, catch it, and then you have to make one or two people miss right away in order to get positive yards, unless it's like a line drive or they're punting from their end zone. It's the single hardest play in football. And he was a dynamic punt returner. He was dynamic out of the backfield. And I know a couple of people have comped him. For me, he reminds me of a more explosive version of Percy Harvin. That's who he reminds me of. I've heard some people say an angry Odell Beckham Jr. I'm not concerned mm-hmm. about anything in his athletic profile whatsoever. He's durable, he's tough. He's fast. TCU timed him at a 4.29. We'll see what that computes to at Indy. We all know laser time is much different, but he's just a, he's a dynamic weapon, and he comes from a pedigree. His father was a second-round pick of the Kansas City Chiefs or the Denver Broncos. I know he spent time in Philly, but he's got that NFL pedigree to his game as well, and he is a sure. dog. He is a dog. So Jalen Rager is my number two wide receiver in this class. Now, Ray, I, I can't let you just say that without – saying how you know Jalen or, or what's the connection and maybe you're not allowed to on the show that's and that's fine if you're not but uh, are you guys boys did you play against each other in high school like what's the what's the no connection? no 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 I'm way way older than Jalen but I'll just say <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'll just say that I've, I've seen him in high school and yeah I, I know him a little bit we're we're, we're all, okay. I wouldn't say gotcha. we're boys because I'm older but I know him and I'm a, I'm an advocate of him but it's not that bias that's coming out because if it was I'd say he's my wide receiver one I'll tell him to his face dude I got you right behind CD Lamb I've told him that you know what I mean he doesn't like it yeah. you know but it is what it is huh. yeah no he's uh he's dynamic as it comes man with the ball in his hands you could argue he's the top of the class from a playmaker perspective and you talked about it with the punt returns there um, you know, one thing that I saw just in, in general with, and maybe it's the offense, like you were saying, with how poorly they were running it, the offense down there at TCU is just, I don't know if they used him on an extended route tree, and, and that's not an, a knock by any means if it's not his fault. That's something that he'll just have to work out on the next level. And like you said, you know, with T. Higgins and, you know, that being quote unquote a knock with his ability to, to kind of beat press coverage and physical corners, you can work on it and you can get better at the next level. But it's fair, though. You know, I think that anybody who's – if you're just scouting Rager and you turn on his 2019 tape, that's a fair assessment to make. I mean, he didn't run a lot of routes last year. I mean, he didn't do a lot of anything last season. What I tell a lot of people is outside of his punt returns and a couple of grabs versus Oklahoma State, I'd throw the whole 2019 tape out and just revert back to 2018. And that's not to make an excuse for him – but I would do the same thing with LaVisca Chenault and the way that Colorado switched their offensive scheme this past season. You go back to 2018. The sophomore season is key, all right? Sophomore season in college. Freshman year, you want to see your players come in right away and produce. But a lot of times, if they have it, they're going to show it after that first college football season of getting acclimated. Year two, you want these guys to break out. And year two, Jalen Rager had a massive breakout 
The offense was putrid. I don't want to make excuses for that. But even in a down season, he still hit those analytical thresholds and those data points that show wide receivers who hit those thresholds go on to score fantasy football points at a higher clip than those who don't. Yeah, fair enough. I like that, you know, just pointing that out because I feel like, especially your casual dynasty players that don't watch a lot of college football, uh, first off, shame on you. Watch the games. They're a blast. Second off, you know, you look at like the ESPN box scores and you probably only look at this past season and you might see those numbers and may be like, man, Jalen's a bum. Like he didn't do anything at TCU. And if you don't really dig into the tape or, you know, listen to smart guys like Ray, you might miss out on, on prospects like this. So with that being said, I mean, it kind of sounds like he might be a value in rookie drafts. Okada, is that kind of the vibe you're picking up on? If people are maybe looking past Jalen as a true top three wide receiver in this class? Yeah, I think certainly, and I'm really glad that uh, Ray brought up the, the you know the dominator rating and uh, market share because I think that's something that a lot of casual play of you know fantasy players, dynasty listeners, even if they're not aware of, and the first thing they go to is to look at stats like you do with normal fantasy football, then and that affects you know the, the perspective overall in dynasty. Then a guy like Rager might be lower, whereas a guy who you know had 1800 yards and 12 touchdowns is going to seem like the clear one when really there's a lot more to be said about what the offense looked like what their quarterback was like we've seen receivers come from a place that just had awful quarterback play and then all of a sudden they're amazing at the NFL and it's like wait a minute where were they where were these stats in college and it's because they were in a place that did not at all flash or showcase their ability yeah so that is that is a place to go for sure to potentially get a steal so I really like that um, and I think it might depend on where he goes as well. Uh, an offense that will use him, you know, effectively and creatively is going to be important, uh, potentially. So that'll be interesting to see, too. Yeah. Speaking of landing spot, you know, DJ doesn't even have him in the first round of his mock draft. However, uh, Bucky does. He has him 30th to the Packers, which I think is really intriguing. I mean, right now it's Devontae Adams and a bunch of dudes, and Aaron Rodgers is currently. Um, uh, you know, he's still good, but he's definitely not how he was a few years ago when we talk about elite quarterbacks in the NFL. I think that's safe to say, um, just kind of watching him play. But if he has a guy like Jalen Rager, I mean, that's super intriguing, given the fact that there's a ton of targets to go around in that offense, and they need playmakers for sure. Um, yeah, sorry, Jimmy Graham wasn't it. But, <laughs> Ray, I'll kick it over to you. Is, is that a landing spot that you think is intriguing for Jalen? And, you know, if so, do you see him fitting in well? Yes, would love it. Would love it. Um, the reality is, though, if he does land with Green Bay, he will have to improve on just his route refinement because Aaron Rodgers will relegate him to the sidelines if he does not. Mm. But I think that they are – they need somebody outside of a Devontae Adams. I think that helps that entire offense. And we've seen Aaron Rodgers support multiple high-end wide receivers in fantasy football. So a player with his skill set – and I kind of like Alan Lazard, you know. He's all right, but he's not – He's not a a legitimate number two wide receiver. I think he's a better NFL player and does more for their offense on an NFL standpoint than fantasy. So I would love Rager at uh, for the Green Bay Packers. There's a couple of other landing spots. I think Philly would fit well with him. I think a place like the New Orleans Saints would be a great landing spot as well, opposite of Michael Thomas. But uh, after the combine, I'm pretty sure, and I've, I've jokingly said this, if I had to pick a player who was going to break player profile or just the bars would just be up sky high, it's going to be Rager. <laughs> at, at one point in time, 
in his high school career, this football guy had the furthest long jump in the United States of America. I mean, that just shows how much burst and explosion that he has. He's going to jump high. He's going to run fast. He's going to look good in agility drills. And I'm sorry to bust your bubble, but in single quarterback leagues, he is not a value right now. Based on the mock drafts that McDowell is going, uh, running right now, he's got an ADP of eight. The lowest that he's been drafted in 10 rookie drafts is 11. And the highest that he's gone is at pick six. So uh, I only anticipate that going up after the combine. Fair enough. Yeah, I think that that's a a good point. You know, you you talked about what he can showcase and his skill set is perfect for the combine. I mean, I think he's going to absolutely crush it and and really challenge to be the the most agile wide receiver that we see. But uh, of course, time will tell. We'll see here in a few weeks. All right, man, we have led up to this point. I think our listeners, at least that, that know Dynasty football, probably know which name is coming. But Hit us with your number one wide receiver right now in this class. I wish I had Gus Johnson to announce C.D. Lamb's name because Gus Johnson is like the best color analyst for hype and excitement that there is. But it's C.D. Lamb, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. He's my wide receiver one. I think he's just a dynamic, physical freak. He is everything that you want out of a wide receiver. He can run every route. His position versatility Go watch the game versus Texas and watch how they set him up. You know, that jet sweep that Robert Woods runs all the time for the Rams. He can carry the ball yep. out of the backfield. He returns punts. He was productive last year uh, as the guy. He was productive two years before with Marquise Hollywood Brown. And I've said and maintained that I think he was the best wide receiver on that Oklahoma team, even when Marquise Brown was on the field. He's done it now with three different quarterbacks. Granted, all three of them. A freaking fantastic two Heisman Trophy winners, two number one overall picks, and then Jalen Hurts. And I'm, I'm not here to crap on Jalen Hurts because he's a fantastic college quarterback. I don't know what that's going to translate to for the NFL, but he's produced every single season that he's been at Oklahoma. The best run after the catch ability in this class. He's physical. What is he? Six foot two. I don't even know how tall he is. Six two, listed. I think he's probably going to come in closer to 200 pounds, which would be good for him. He's got the frame to do it. Best body control, the best ball tracker in this class. He is not the route runner that Jerry Judy is. Uh, He does not decelerate and accelerate the way that Jalen Rager does, but I would put CeeDee Lamb up against any wide receiver and take him even over Jalen Rager, who I like a lot, and some other guys. I I just think he's a phenomenal none of these guys are are bulletproof none of these guys are bust proof all of them have inherent risk but I just don't see any way that CeeDee Lamb is going to flop at the next level I just don't see it yeah he's an absolute stud Um, not much to say from a negativity standpoint Okada are you hearing anything around the NFL network you mentioned with Jerry Judy they're you know maybe not low on him but aren't as hyped about him is that different with CeeDee Lamb uh, yes, I would say so. So, uh, to give just a little bit of context, as you kind of mentioned in passing in the beginning that Bucky is my boy. So, Bucky Brooks, uh, he coaches high school ball, and his uh, offensive coordinator last year was a researcher that works in my department uh, named Chris McNeil. We're, we're, we're boys, too. He actually played uh, as a wide receiver at uh, Wyoming back in the day. Um, so, they're really close. And so, Bucky will come by, like, at least two or three times a week and just hang around in the research uh, sort of pod that we have and shoot the crap, if you will, uh, about whatever's going on in the NFL, prospects, all this stuff. So 
I'll, we'll get to talk with him a lot about his perspectives. And yeah, he wasn't. He had some slightly negative things to say about Jerry Judy. He did not have any negative things to say about CeeDee Lamb. So I think he's pretty much the consensus number one uh, from, from our side of things. It certainly seems to be the case across the board or in most places. Um, I think my main question is, and Ray, I'll, I'll throw this to you. If he goes to your ideal landing spot, and you have to tell us what that is as well, how how high is his immediate impact potentially for fantasy? <sighs> that's tough. How high could it be? That's I mean, I wish I had the um, – I'm in a startup draft right now, and I know he went relatively early. I want to say like fourth round in a one-quarterback mm. startup league. But I think wow. right out the gate, I, I think he's landing spot – proof I don't think it matters where he goes I think you're looking at a right out of the gates a low end wide receiver two from the jump and that's I'm I'm being conservative there I don't think it's long before he established unless he lands in New Orleans unless he lands in Green Bay with it with Michael Thomas or Devontae or Houston somewhere like that where there's no way he has a chance of being the number one right away but I think it's going to be one of those things where sort of like I think his rise could be even faster than A.J. Brown. I think even this year, some people thought, you know, Corey Davis is really going to, like, he's the number one, A.J. Brown's going to be the number two, and then midway through the season, we realized, no, 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 A.J. Brown is the number one, even though towards the end, he had a couple of down weeks, I think CeeDee Lamb, right out of the gates, he he might, he's going to push to get the ball thrown to him a lot, a whole lot, so... Ideal landing spot, don't have one, don't care where he lands, I want him. He's my wide receiver one. Like, I really, really don't care. And it it won't happen, but if he landed in Houston with Nuke Hopkins, with Deshaun Watson, with Will Fuller, the field stretch, I mean, it's just sky's the limit for all of those guys. And we've seen fantasy teams support multiple high-end wide receivers, multiple you got a wide receiver, one high end, and then a, a very good mid-round wide receiver, too. And we need here's the thing, man, and, and you guys focus in redrafts, so you know this better than me, but everybody looks at the wide receiver. There are only 12 wide receiver ones. <laughs> you, uh, unless you're very lucky, you don't have three or four of those hanging out on your, on your roster in fantasy football, so you need consistent wide receiver twos, consistent wide receiver threes. So to say that CeeDee Lamb is a low-end wide receiver two right out of the gates – you should be excited about that. Like, I need that consistency on my team to pair with Tyreek Hill, to prepare, to pair with the Devontae Adams. So I think – I don't care where he lands. I really don't. I keep hearing Arizona. They've got bigger fish to fry, but it wouldn't surprise me if if Cliff Kingsbury just put all the cards in and said, we're, we're air raiding this thing out. Kyler, you run around. You'll be fine. We'll get better in the O-line somewhere else. But – I think he's I think he's landing spot proof. Uh, I was legitimately sitting here waiting for you to finish your sentence so that I could say it would be super interesting to see him go to Arizona, but there's no way it happens because they have to get offensive line help. Uh, that means they're going right, to take him. They're going to take him. They're going to take him now. It could. Yeah. Yeah. It, it very well could be that they make the wrong choice and take him, and that would be super <laughs> fun to see. But. For the Cardinals' sake and for Kyler Murray's sake, because he's my boy, I'd rather see them get offensive line. But for 
See, Lamb's sake and fantasy's sake, I might like to see that happen. Yeah. Yeah, if that happened, um, Okada, you would lose your mind. The yes. biggest Kyler Murray fan there is, of course, connecting with his former teammate would be unreal. Uh, I can only imagine how high you would push his ADP over the summer mm. for Kyler mm-hmm. Murray. But, yeah, man, that was that was fun uh, to talk about those landing spots and talk about Dynasty. One last question for you, Ray. Let's say he does land in Arizona or somewhere where he's the one right out of the gate. I mean, everyone is just so hyped about this running back class in the 2020, you know, rookies. If he goes to, like, the perfect spot, is it outlandish to say he should be the 101 in rookie drafts? No. It's not. It's not. Uh, The shelf life of running backs is so short. It's so short. And in Dynasty, the value of the wide receiver goes up exponentially year after year. Running back... You know, unless you lucked up and got a Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley, you know, even with Jonathan Taylor, I think after two years, I'd probably be trying to move him. Two years of C.D. Lamb, I'm just getting warmed up. I'm excited for the future. You know what I mean? So I I don't think in single quarterback leagues, based on uh, roster construction, it wouldn't shock me. And right now, based off of early rookie draft ADP, he is the consensus wide receiver one. He's going... Uh, right after Jonathan Taylor, ahead of Jerry Judy, ahead of Cam Akers, well ahead of Rager and Higgins. So he's the number four ranked player off the board behind Taylor, Dobbins, and Swift. And I can definitely see him in certain leagues going number one overall. Yeah, and I think, you know, based off this discussion tonight, uh, it might be warranted. So we will see what happens here over the next couple of weeks, of months. It's going to be an exciting time. Of course, it always is in Dynasty. Ray, thanks so much for coming on the show tonight, man. It was a blast having you on, picking your mind uh, about these wide receiver prospects. And, you know, for our listeners, again, who might have missed it at the start of the show, let our listeners know one more time where they can find you on Twitter. Let them know where they can find your work. Yeah, on Twitter at RayGQ, Destination Devi Podcast. If you just search Destination Devi, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, I'm everywhere. And then I write and rank over at DLF. But connect with me on Twitter. Love engaging with folks. And I appreciate you guys for having me on this evening. It's been fun kind of talking about these guys and and really talking about where they can land and their values. So I, I really enjoy being on. And, and tell John to calm down with the Jonathan Taylor RB1 <laughs> stuff. I mean, this guy, I, I love him, man. He is just He's an exciting, exciting cat, man. But he loves him some Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and he loves him some freaking Jonathan Taylor. Yes, he did. And that was our most recent episode, actually. Our last episode, John and I sat down. We talked about his top five running backs. And I swear, man, I've never seen someone smile so much <laughs> when they talked about their number one running back, Jonathan Taylor. Does he Taylor really look like a John. Julian Edelman, like in real camera oh, life? Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. A little yes. bit, yeah. Dude is like Edelman. He's, like He's a doppelganger, Edelman. man. What's going on? We'll have to uh, we'll have to just put his name when we do the live streams and the YouTube shows. We'll just have to put his name as Julian and see what people think. Jules, big Jules. <laughs> you get big all Jules. the downloads, man. We got Edelman on tonight. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> John, you're welcome. You have a new Twitter handle handle at Big Jules. <laughs> big Jules, uh, officially now. All right, we are officially off the rails. Okada, let the people know where they can find you. Uh, at Matt Okada on the Twitters. Absolutely. And of course, you can find us anywhere podcasts are found on YouTube, social media at RedshirtsFFPod, trophysmack.com for all your trophy belts and rings. Enter code RedShirts at checkout. You will get a free ring with purchase. All right, fellas, this was a blast. Looking forward to talking more fantasy with you all in the future. Until next time, we are the Redshirts. 
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.